But also, yeah. I want to make a point that this maybe is more so for me, um, but I definitely want to be careful and maybe like a little judicious about going through the book again, mm, like to okay. make sure we hit every scene. Because I'm going to be honest, like if you were to ask me to like tell you like a summary of everything that has happened, I. I'm not saying I couldn't do it, but I have to sit back for a while and kind of parse through each of the events. You know if what I you, mean? Because if you tell me I can't use the book or my notes, then I may not be able to do it. Like, uh, yeah, it would like, be a struggle. Well, I was gonna say, like, as we get into it, I'm assume I'm I'm thinking that we're gonna splice this into the first part and make it one marathon episode. Yeah. Because that was Giffen's like feedback as well, and I, I didn't think it was wrong, like given what you said in the chat. But, but right. Okay, so so this is to say we're picking up at something like two fifths of the way into the book for me and Adam, and like one fourth of the way of the book for Giffen. But, something approximating that. So Giffen, when we got off the call, when we got off the call last time, I asked you guys. This was off air. I said, "How long do you think you guys could live as the uh, as the narrator, Antoine?" and Giffen, you said like no time, and Adam said like gee, like a couple of days, like at max. It was just, but Giffen, how long do you think you could live as the self-taught man? <laughs> um, in in light of the uh, recent news, <laughs> the unfortunate tragedy in the library, I like to imagine not a moment. I I, I honestly couldn't believe what I was reading. Like I <laughs> no, it, 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 I it, thought it was, it was wrong. Like it was a misprint. It was to the point that like, you know how like when you're reading something so shocking, your reading kind of like speeds up in a sense where you begin to just kind of skim over lines and you're like, what am I reading? Like, because like I just just just, waiting for the feedback that something was wrong in your initial impression. (laughs) Exactly. not Because like, like when, you know, when Antoine's describing like, like his finger kind of like moving beneath the table and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm like, wait, what is going on here? And then I begin to like I immediately. Was, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. I was like, wait, I, I'm reading into this. Surely, like yeah, this is yeah, my yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. Keep scanning like, until you get to the like confirmation that you were misreading it, but it it just is no. further confirmation. <laughs> you have to go back and read it again. <laughs> when the um, when the Corsican <laughs> interviews, I was like, no, no. <laughs> it's like make it stop. Uh, um. Giffen, you had remarked that we kind of failed to, in the first like recording, we had kind of failed to go over something fairly important. <laughs> do, do, no, no. Do you want to re- recording? Do you want to repeat those comments? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I actually don't know exactly what page it is in the book, but I can just mm. pull up my, my the text message. Um, it seemed to have been, um possibly the most critical line to understand this work and it occurred in like the first couple pages yeah um but uh we kind of missed it a bit he um i i have a note about it and we actually kind of passed over my or uh, i passed over my own note so um yeah so basically like the the part in the narrative is where he's like kind of i he's like just kind of walking along and just like in his mind as always and he kind of is like observes a piece of paper on the ground Mm. and he kind of recalls that he found some pleasure in like taking scraps of paper rolling them up into like little gray you know mushy balls that's basically kind of like that's really it um but he does it this time and he kind of like stops and like i I think he just isn't able to go through with it 
and he remarks to himself that he feels he isn't free. Ooh. And that's it like this like it was this really weird passage, honestly, where he was just like he was kind of tormented by the fact that he was almost like pausing to pick up a, a paper. And in that moment, he sort of realized that like whatever he did, he kind of had no control over. Like he was almost there was like this very um, passive nature to his experience where if he happened to pick up the paper, then he would kind of go along for the ride of picking up the paper. And if he happened to not pick up the paper, then he would also be a very passive witness of the non-picking up. It was, it was a very yeah, strange so I can passage. Actually, I found the, the passage and it actually introduces um, the nausea as well. So this is like critical mm. in, in very key elements. So it's a shame we miss it. Um, but basically, as I said, he reaches down to pick up this piece, scrap of paper, and he goes, I stayed in a bent position for a moment. I read um, dictation, the white owl. Then I straightened up empty handed. I am no longer free. I can no longer do what I want. Objects ought not to touch since they are not alive. You use them. You put them back in place. You live among them. They're useful. Nothing more. But they touch me. It's unbearable. I am afraid of entering in contact with them, just as if they were living animals. Now I see. I remember better what I felt the other day on the seashore when I was holding that pebble. It was a sort of sweet disgust. How unpleasant it was. And it came from the pebble. I'm sure of that. It passed from the pebble into my hands. Yes, that's it. That's exactly it. A sort of nausea in my hands. So this is like where he articulates what that feeling is that kind of mm. over the first couple pages, he kind of hints at and describes loosely um, and also kind of relates this to, I think, more solidly kind of philosophy where because he touches on freedom. Um, yeah. And he, and he experiences that paralysis at several points in the book. Mm. And it's typically when, you know, suddenly like the full impact of experience is impressed upon him. I mean, recall the scene like later in the book where he's in the library and he's attempting to write for his historical book. And he writes something on it. You know, he writes a line on the page, but then suddenly the nausea overwhelms him. So suddenly, you know, the full impact of experience sort of overwhelms him in that moment. Mm. And he doesn't identify with the text any longer he's sort of paralyzed pen in hand as he just sort of just mulls over this this you know this line that he just wrote that is now alien to him and he's sort of paralyzed in that chair if you recall he's yeah. unable to move you know everything around him seems suddenly foreign because everything has suddenly become that much more real so I think it's I think it's akin to that, you know. I think I think the scenes are parallel in that sense. So, yeah. And he on page seventy of our copy, Adam, he has this line where he's like in this state of nausea, and he says anything could happen. He almost has this like general anxiety um, about things happening to him and he kind of talks about like he only kind of has this power to stop things from happening he almost has like almost just a resistive power and not like an authoritative power uh which i found also kind of strange like 
you know, we discussed the Labette experiments or the Labette experiments with the, the fMRI scans of the neural activity predicting if you go like left hand or right hand. Remember at random, we talked about that. Um, but like, <clears throat> apparently, I don't remember the details of it, but there was also this, th there was also something that was non-traceable about the ability to prevent yourself from doing it. So you could like decide to hit with your right hand, like begin to do it, but then stop. And that was not as predictable or not as traceable as the choice to go left or right. And LeBay or LeBet thought that that indicated that we have this like free won't, he called it. So we could like veto actions in this libertarian sense. And that this almost reminded me of that, where he he's almost sort of like he, he almost is like driving a car, but he only has control over the brakes, like in his experience. Um that actually does seem to be pretty accurate. That's an interesting um, comparison. Yeah, um, that that seems torturous. It's, also, it's, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it does. No, you're 100 percent right because it it seems like he will. It will occur to him that he was just driving, you know. Mm. Um, but you know, there he doesn't feel that connection to it that you know one ought. Um, and but he he can slow himself down and kind of like change his perception, but then like inevitably the the sweeping will come back up. And I think the concept that, that you kind of brought up there of anything can happen, we also see that later in the novel as well, whenever he's having brunch with the self-taught man, mm. where at some point he's overwhelmed with the nausea and he recognizes that he could stab the self-taught man, <laughs> right? Like he yes. could. And, and it, it, it's not so much that he even wants to. I mean, he... He expressly mm -hmm. says that he has no desire to stab the self-taught man. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are many good reasons why he wouldn't, but he recognizes he could. So I think like that, that just awareness of experience sort of peaks for him at, at points in this book where it's like, okay, yes. like anything here could happen. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and, and yes, there are some <laughs> other areas that kind of don't necessarily like align with that perspective. Like, I mean, he. Did you also? He, he's, uh, he's definitely annoyed with like the complacency that people live their lives. Yes. So toward the end of the book, when he's describing like he would like insane things to happen to individuals just for them <laughs> yeah. to be kind of shaken mm. up in a sense. Mm. Um, I think he wants them to experience some of what he goes through from mm. time to time where he recognizes the the uncertainty of life he you know? so <clears throat> yeah i was thinking about that too because i had notes about so he's in this cafe with the self-taught man and leading up to all of this there were passages where <clears throat> he almost on one hand he seems to envy like men of action almost to, like recall to dostoevsky but then a few pages later um he then kind of switched from envying the common person uh, and now he thinks that their lives are sort of facades or even fallacious, you could say. Um, and he has, I don't know, did you guys, I, I almost saw like a, a pattern of trying to have it both ways with a lot of things. Like he almost, he, he would, he would, it wasn't like, because there were some blatant contradictions in the more aphoristic part, one of the notes from Underground, if you remember, but in this one, it was almost like these were very like hidden or covert contradictions where 
he would like he would just do that kind of thing again where he would almost envy men of action but then he would view them as sort of pathetic and like unreflective and like their lives weren't worth living no i definitely experienced um that it's i i I, it made it very hard to parse through so i'm hoping to be enlightened in this conversation (laughs) but it does seem like um there are just complete like contradictions that occur whether it's like descriptions of like the nausea or like his observations yes like things that cannot be reconciled and and they're not like easily laid out and like the point doesn't seem to be as transparent in dostoevsky which is like the the contradictions are kind of part of the point. Um, yeah. Whereas this, it's like yeah. you, if if you're looking, you you kind of notice like the kind of fuzzy edges of contradictions. You're like, wait, did I, am I misremembering what I read before? You go back, yeah. you're like, no, but you're like, this is kind of very subtle or not even really addressed at all. And then it just keeps going, and you're like, oh, okay, that's how it was for me. Like I actually, did, I had a hard time trying to come away with any lesson from this at yes. all. Yes, yeah, it was a I very think, dizzying read. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I think part of it is that. I mean, we can definitely see many instances where he extols the virtues of those who are men of action, who are less reflective in a sense. I mean, just examine like, you know, his time at the museum as Mm. he is kind of examining some of the portraits of famous men who helped build the town, who had a great impact on the town. And... I mean, at least in some of the descriptions, he seems not only envious, but also um, praising of many of those men Mm. in the sense that, you know, these are people who I think kind of to borrow some of the language of that scene, you know, they had a right to behave in the way that they did. And I think what I got from that was that they had a clear understanding of their purpose on this earth. And then they kind of manifested that purpose. Um, But in other scenes, I mean, maybe like, you know, later on, or actually, no, it was earlier than that. When he's at the cafe with the doctor and sort of like another decrepit individual, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that that, that one kind of Cretan. um, (laughs) I think he certainly thinks lowly of the Cretan, but at the same time recognizes that it's a kindred spirit. You know, someone Mm. who's lonely, someone who is, you know, maybe experiencing these pangs of existential dread. The the kindred spirit can definitely be seen in like the very end. Jordan, you invoked the library scene, but (laughs) in in one of the even more remarkable like moments, um, our, our, um, protagonist Antoine gets up and starts accosting the Corsican yeah well wait 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 let's let's hold off on that because okay okay well here's the honestly we want to go through this like through the narrative yeah I mean the the problem is like honestly it's a very weird narrative in the sense of it doesn't provide a good foundation no it's so strange (laughs) it's like from a from a storytelling perspective it's it's almost nonsensical yeah, like it, border- I, I agree with that. it borders on like the absurd. <laughs> I agree. I think like there's fair, you know, the book keeps time by providing like the day of the week in which the entry was written. Mm-hmm. But had you switched a few of those days or, or many of them, I'm not yes. sure it would read differently. 
No. <laughs> no. In fact, like, in fact, so... I think that this could have, I think that the majority of this book could have happened over the course of one day or one year, and it would hardly make a difference. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that I think it does escalate at a certain point with like towards the back end with Annie. Like I think from there mm. to the end seems to be like kind of consistent arc. But before then, and even even moments within it, like that arc, it's just completely interchangeable. But I, I, I don't disagree, Giffen. I, I mean, I, I actually I do. I do agree with you um, that there is sort of like this build to the conversation with Annie. Yeah. But I think we should get into that because <laughs> that that climactic point that we're supposed to be reaching so strange is it, i almost felt like deflated reading that. <laughs> it was like, an anti-climax adam like i literally yeah, wrote yeah. a little deflating question mark yeah the worst yeah, part no, was like I mean, was last time we had discussed because like i hadn't gotten to the point where it was foreshadowed um but you guys were like i'm very interested to see what like you know annie has to contribute to this and i'm like reading like just 150 pages later and we get to this like this tepid kind of like half conversation and then like four pages later it's gone okay so we should okay so he gets yeah, let's so go that, to where it so this is i'm just introducing like like the whole narrative arc of annie <clears throat> because he gets a letter so he's basically just like in his kind of journalistic uh, or, or like um, um, he's writing in his journal in these sort of aphoristic ways while he's experiencing a very non-narrative existence. Then he gets a letter from Annie saying that she'll be in town in one week. There's some more aphoristic kind of self-reflective writing. And then, I mean, the narrative really only happens, like you said, Giffen, that's like 20 or so pages of the book. Um, so, okay, this is on Saturday. Annie gets to town and he goes to well, see I, her at her does, hotel. Does not he go to her? Oh, it, they're sort of meeting at a town, I guess. She, she's like staying in the town for a while, um, for, for like a week or so. And then she writes to him to come visit, I think. Okay. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. Um, but did, did you guys, okay, so like, obviously it was foreshadowed that this was sort of, I think I said this last episode, it was like very clearly foreshadowed or alluded to that this was uh, his kind of past and only love. This was, it almost seems like this was the person he, like for whom he experienced love kind of once and once only. And he's always sort of lived in like the shadow of regret about their relationship, but you don't exactly know why yeah, it was raised there. It definitely wasn't blatant, but that was the impression you get. Yes. Okay. I found their entire conversation extremely stultifying it was depressing yes it was just like i mean as you just sort of mentioned there i mean he's been living a non-narrative life and he's been looking forward to meeting her again because the the past annie that he knew loved the power of narrative and just introducing narrative into your life and recognizing precious moments and seizing upon those moments and making them truly remarkable moments. Mm. And when he meets up with her, it seems like that side of her has died. Yeah. So, and, you know, furthermore, she has, you know, no interest in him. Like, I, I'm not even sure why she wanted to meet other than to maybe, like, it was, like, 
like a bookend on her part. Yeah. So like just I have a quote from her, which I found very disturbing. So this is like moments after they've met and they're like engaging in this kind of very tense conversation. And she says to him, you're a milestone, a milestone beside a road. You explain imperturbably and for the rest of your life. And you'll always go on explaining that Malone is 27 kilometers and Montegras, I'm butchering these words, is 42. That's why I need you so much. I need you to exist and not to change. You're like that platinum wire they keep in Paris or somewhere in the neighborhood. I don't think anyone's ever needed to see it. And that, that platinum wire is some sort of like an electromagnetic measurement or something. And she, she literally refers to him as like this mile sign on the highway that's like, oh, you, you, you know, there's like long drives that you like do several times to like go visit family or whatever. And there's a mile marker. Yes. You like, you always recognize things. She literally <laughs> compares him to something like that, which I found extremely strange. It, and that, and that wouldn't be as much of an issue for me as the reader, but it was the fact that she wasn't using him as a milestone to, to show or just to kind of indicate to herself how much she's grown. Mm. she's just using him as a milestone to see how much she's changed for the worse in a sense. Mm. I mean, you know what I mean? It wasn't like she was like, here are the ways in which I've grown that you and I would no longer be compatible. It's like, here are the ways in which I've like devolved. Here's how I've, how, how I've died in a sense. And it's like, I mean, it's, it was such, such a, a depressing the, conversation. The con- the con- it was it was a yes. murder suicide of a conversation. It was yes. it was yeah. pretty bad. It, this, this book honestly just like left me okay. So like notes from underground <clears throat> was depressing in several ways, but it was depressing with like a tone of insightfulness or sort of it. Yeah, it made me think. It made me think like, wow, okay, this is a danger. Some of which I'm particularly susceptible to. Let's kind of keep a watchful eye on that. This was just like. It just kind of made me like a little just unsettled and like not. um, I don't even know what to think. Like I still do not know what to think (laughs) from this book. Like to be completely honest, maybe at the end we can kind of try to summarize like our impressions or thoughts or (laughs) lesson. But did did you also notice in like the conversation, she was very insistent that he hadn't changed and he was extremely insistent that he had. (laughs) It was so odd. It was so, and it was like, you know, she, she was just like, she was like testing him as well. It was like a very, the, the conversation seemed extremely asymmetrical where she like held all the power and she knew she held all the power, but like kind of wanted nothing from him almost. It was, ve- dude, it was very it, weird. I, I think Adam was pretty much spot on where like she wanted to use him to kind of confirm that like the past her has <clears throat> died. Like, she, she even tries almost. It, I mean, maybe if this is just a sad attempt at like seeing if she can resurrect her past self by like, you know, hey, if you're the same, maybe I can be the same. But mm-hmm. like, it, it just does not last. And, you know, whenever he confesses like that, he, he has changed in this way, which he kind of sympathizes with her because he thinks like there's a you know strong similarity in the way that they've changed. But she kind of rejects it outright nearly. Um, and yeah. then like says like, this is not the same at all. Um, and then it's just like, the whole the whole relationship is a shell at this point. It's so strange. Worse than that, actually. Uh, I, I have so um, this is this is Antoine kind of reflecting after the first few minutes of conversation. He says, 
She seems to be speaking of today rather than yesterday. She has kept her opinions, her obstinacies, and her past resentments fully alive. Just the opposite for me. All is drowned in poetic impression. I am ready for all concessions. So she's like already kind of beaten him down almost or like worn him down in the first several minutes of conversation. Yeah. And she says, uh, now you must talk to me about you. Uh, and then she kind of disappears to like fetch some tea or whatever. And a little bit later on, he was just thinking like, all of a sudden I have no desire. Uh, I, sorry. All of a sudden I no longer have the slightest desire to tell her anything. What good would it be? The nausea, the fear, existence, dot, dot, dot. It is better to keep that all to myself. So he's like, it was so strange. Like he showed up with these like grand illusions of, or grand aspirations rather, of kind of sharing all of his reflections with her and maybe sort of like bonding over, like sharing some of the same existential dread or what. But now he's just like, he's in her presence and he immediately uh, doesn't, I don't know. He just like, you know what he is? Okay. This is like a guy who just like can't get out of his own way. He just like, cause he never, I don't know. It's like, he always has these plans for things, but then he always seems to just like, like refrain from doing anything. I don't know. Like I was just very bothered by this whole scene. Yeah. No, so was I. I mean, especially with the idea that, I mean, even she acknowledges this fact, Annie, but I mean, there was clearly like a narrative arc <laughs> yes. to this moment in which he played a role mm. fairly decently. Like, I mean, he opens up at one point, attempts to, I, I mean, he does bear his soul at one point, and, and he says so, like, almost like yeah. in a in a, you know, in a passing aside, right? Yeah. But, and it's like she even acknowledges that, okay, you played a role such as to capitalize on this narrative scene here, but I no longer value that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where she's like, she's like, you know, you know, poor soul or, you know. Oh, at the very end, you mean? Yes. Yeah, he's yes. like, you, she's like, you finally played your part. You're no longer the fool, yes. but I care not anymore. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yes. So it's yeah. so it's what like. What a horrible note to <laughs> I know. And then she tells him literally, like, I don't know if your translation said this, Giffen, but she, she just says, get out. <laughs> I did not get something that. Um, well, yeah, well, how she, um, what, what, she, she I says. I said, go on now, <laughs> be off with you. I hear the door close behind me. So it was pretty, like. Mm. <laughs> the way it wasn't quite get out but our, um, ours yeah, just she, says she, get out she <laughs> says poor boy he never has any luck the first time he plays his part well he gets no thanks for it get out <laughs> no yeah. mine it was a little bit little bit um gentler but go on now be off with you isn't still isn't warm well it's there much were... better than get out yeah no, get out that, when i read that i was just like i was like <laughs> oh my goodness no, that is just horrid did you guys catch there was also this very it was again in passing there was a hint of why their previous relationship never succeeded um she says to him you condescended to inform yourself and that's the whole truth you were kindly and distraught, like the old ladies who used to ask me what i was playing when i was little at heart she says dreamily i wonder if you weren't the one i hated most and there i almost took her to say like you know, this is her side of things, obviously, but that seemed to indicate that he almost never treated her as like an equal in the conversation. You know, when when he says, you know, you were kindly and distraught, 
like the old ladies who used to ask me what I was playing when I was little, there's that way of which in which, you know how you ask a kid like questions, but I don't know, like uh, kind of like a game. I, you obviously, yeah, you're, you're not interacting with them in like the full scope of the way like I'd interact with either of you. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, it, he, she almost had the impression it seemed like that he treated her as like below him in some sense, which is, I mean, like given the rest I, of the novel. Well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I think the parallel there or like the analogy was that whenever she would try to express like this narrative aspect of life in these special moments, he almost treated them as some sort of, you know, some game of imagination in mm. a sense. Right. And now only does he, you know, only now does he come to her, you know, fully understanding what she was talking about and it's dead now. So. And it's weird because he, he doesn't even like fully understand in the conversation. I, I don't know. It's like, it's very fuzzy. He like seems to understand it, but also yeah, he keeps he, asking those very specific questions. He's like, well, what is it? And she, she'll like give another example. And he's like, be more precise. Yeah, I mean, he sympathizes deeply from what he hears about Annie's experience changing, but then like these narrative moments, which seems to map pretty strongly onto his sense of adventure, um, he he just gets frustrated at having no clue at what she's talking about. And to be honest, like at first blush, like (laughs) whenever she's talking about these perfect moments, I think it is probably easy, even for like one of us to kind of like kind of dismiss that as kind of like a little bit childish right romantic like, like, yeah 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 and that's a good way to put it like um it's unclear though to what extent she actually like fostered resentment towards him for not playing the perfect role in these moments though like you know a little bit more than a game like i don't know how seriously she took it um it seems like she kind of did take it seriously like in a way that we would probably perceive as a little bit childish or at least i did mm. um so this whole conversation was a little bit like we have our unreliable narrator and then we have our unreliable guest. Um, (laughs) And it's just trying to parse the truth out of it is like impossible. I did. So I did sympathize with both sides a little bit in the sense of like, I don't know, again, it's like very difficult to talk about specifics with the requisite anonymity, but have you guys ever had those moments in your life where, um, It was just like, it was sort of primed to be a perfect moment and you just sort of failed to complete the circle. Like, I know I've definitely had like a few of those moments. I'm sure. I, I haven't yeah. thought about it, but I'm I'm sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, All you have to do is imagine some instance of past oafishness and you've probably got to get a picture. <laughs> well, yeah, but, no, but, 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 but it needs to be like, the perfect moment yeah it has to it has to have potential to be because i I took this is me like falling for her romanticism a little bit but i actually don't think it's wrong where she's pointing to the fact that like okay not all moments are created equal obviously right like it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter it matters less like what i say over the next 20 minutes than another 20 minutes in my life could matter do you know what i mean um like any given span of like a minute or like a few seconds or whatever, like they're not all created equal in terms of importance for the rest of your life. And there are these kind of like moments during which you have the opportunity to make it a perfect moment. And he just seemed to like fail at all of those. Not, it wasn't even his fault necessarily. And that's kind of how I feel like about myself. If I think about 
moments in which I failed to make them perfect, it wasn't even my fault, really. I mean, like, I'm obviously culpable for it, but I almost get the sense of just, like, <clears throat> non-agential regret, where it's just like... It's like it is unfortunate that it did not occur. Yeah, of. because it was just like, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I couldn't, I really couldn't have done, like, other than I did. Yeah. <laughs> But yet yeah. it's like very, very regrettable that they weren't that like things didn't happen differently. That's interesting because like I I really just did not I mean I didn't know how to take her comments like seriously, like to be frank. Mm-hmm. Which she was describing like these perfect moments that he kind of just kept flubbing. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about either, lady. Well, well, here here's the thing. I mean, like she gave a good example where she said, Okay, she's like, Do you remember like the first time we kissed? Mm-hmm. And she talks about how even though she was in discomfort, she had she was like, sitting on like a thorn or something on like brambles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she said that she had a duty, you know, to uphold like the significance of that moment mm. and to kind of like lose herself in the moment rather than allow other things to mm. destroy that moment. So it was like, and she mentions that several times where it's like, one has the duty to kind of fulfill yeah. perfect moments. Duty like was that. mentioned a few times. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was mentioned outside of this conversation as well. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. This is just kind of like a through line for this entire novel for me. But like, I just had a hard time relating. <laughs> like, I mean, like, it, it, I, I heard the examples. I'm like, lady, just move. It, it <laughs> could be a thorn for this like fake moment. It could be as like as simple as like something as this, like. This isn't like, you know, an example from my own life, but it's one that just like came to mind. Um, I also think of some from my own life, but I mean, like, imagine like, like on like a romantic evening, you're like stargazing, like out in the middle of like, you know, the countryside or whatever. Sure. But you're very cold though. Right. So, so, Perfect. so, so yes. the thing, the thing is it like the moment itself is like, it's very special. And you could put up with being cold just to preserve like that perfect moment. Or you could say, hey, I'm cold. Let's go back. You know what I mean? And that would kill the moment. And there's almost a sense in which you're not cold, even though you are. And she points to that fact. Exactly. 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 You have to lose yourself in the experience rather than focus. And it's your duty to. So, so, so that that's what came to mind there is kind of like as a good example there. But that does seem like a good example. But again, maybe I'm just the least romantic person on the planet. But like to me, it's like I'm prepared to <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared to kill these moments. <laughs> again, um the, 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 this you know, the entire novel is just like I don't relate to you. I'm cold. Different like <laughs> I'm in cold ta- blood, I kill the moment. It's time to go in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There was a moment, I can anonymize this adequately enough. There was a moment, I, I'll never forget this moment. And it's like, it's one of like my biggest regrets ever, actually. There was like a moment in college um, where um, there was like a, there was like a girl that was kind of a friend of mine. And <clears throat> like one night it was kind of revealed to both of us that the feelings were mutual. And because of the circumstances, I failed to reciprocate the kind of 
I, I failed to reciprocate the like communication that was required in order to like make it work in some sense or like give it a, give it a shot. And it literally was, it was like, it was just like the stupidest like instance of non-action on my part ever. Like it was just, there was no reason not to do it, but I just simply failed. And like, I like that, that to me, you know, obviously no one knows the counterfactual, but that, that seems like a, a perfectly reasonable instance in which there was the potential uh, for a perfect moment that I, in a very, well, not, I don't know if it was Antoine-esque, but like just failed to complete into a perfect moment. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I understand kind of what you're getting at, but to me, it's just like a little bit much. <laughs> like, Re- <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, like... <laughs> Yeah, but I'm surprised that star example didn't do it for you there. It was a good example, but like, I don't know. Like, you, 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 you can't think of really, like really matter in motion. You, see. <laughs> you can't think of like, like a time where I mean, it's so easy with I, romantic I th- no, things. I, I can think of things non romantic and romantic that okay. kind of fit the general description, but I just like in reading this, I, I guess. It wasn't clear what purpose it served. And then from like an interpersonal level, I just kind of felt like that. Um, I don't know. The idea of the perfect moment doesn't really map on really well to me. It's like, like you kind of fail at a moment that could have developed into something. But like, what about it, this? It, it, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll give you another example, one that maybe kind of relates to all of us. Sure. What about some of those late night conversations we used to have when we were younger, like during sleepovers, right? Sure. Where, where oh, yeah. a, lot, a lot of those conversations, I, I'm talking about the good ones, you know what I mean? The, the, Thank the you ones, for clarifying. No, <laughs> no, I'm talking about the ones that are like, like etched Not in the ones memory. you were a part of. Given the good ones. No, but like you, 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 you can definitely think of like a few that were like, especially good. Right. That like, you know, we all like, you know, felt quite satisfied with the conversation. It was super interesting late night. Like what if someone had said like, like just when the conversation was getting good, like, Hey, I'm tired. I should go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That kills it. Even you know, if you are I mean, tired, like, you like simply yeah. have to like override the tiredness, but it's not even overriding it because you get so enveloped in the conversation that you are no longer tired. Yes. yes yeah. Exactly. No, I, I get those two things I, to me that like, is that a perfect moment to you? Like, it, it seems like more well, of like kind of like you know what I mean. Like it, my it's problem is one of the best moments we have, like like yeah, like in memories. You know what I mean. Like it was yeah, pretty I mean, perfect. It was so. all right. <laughs> I I have fond feelings for that, but my point more so is like the formulation that is given by Annie here of like these like very perfect moments, like instances where like kind of like the universe, like every single star aligns, kind of. You know what I mean? Like Can as I, if I like you know what I mean. Like I, I don't disagree. Like yes, I understand the idea that like there's. You, know, you sacrifice a little bit because there's like something there that is you know worthwhile to yeah. you know gotta capitalize ruin. on it you know i understand that point my point was my concern was primarily with like the formulation in here that annie gives and then also in a more broader text like well, how this about? serves the purpose of the novel which i am not sure it has fully because like so i'm thinking that what what annie means by perfect is not like it's not some like like meta it's just like the best that moment could have been no i actually do feel like at least whenever i read it maybe this is a translation thing also but i do feel like there was kind of a metaphysical angle being kind of prodded at there where it's like 
you're failing, not just because like, you know, this could have been like something and you're just like oafing your way through this, but like there was something like cosmically that like has been corrupted. No, I don't. That think is like the magnitude what I have I, I kind of imparted she, onto this conversation. I wasn't getting the sense from her that it was like teleological, like things had been building up to that moment. I, I, I interpret it like a little bit more with a little bit more parsimony where it was just like, okay, you're sort of like at this moment and it's like a very pivotal moment and you can sort of choose to make it like th- through your action. This moment can either be like the, excuse me, the best it could possibly be right. or not. And like, I don't know. That's what she kind yeah. of, I mean, no, if, if that's the case, then like, I like, that's fine to me, but I, I don't know if it's because of what Antoine's previous comments were, where he kind of like, we talked about how like Annie seemed to have imparted on him some like aspect of this perfect momentness where he kind of calls it adventure but in the like earlier parts of the book he's like he observes that something may happen right he Mm. feels like this is going to be the point where something happens and i think that kind of bled into my impressions of like what annie was talking about where like you know what i mean i don't look at this very differently i actually thought that that was kind of like a through line and i actually may have like read that incorrectly i'm not sure really? what you guys think. Well, well actually actually interestingly enough let me, let me comment on that and it may even be worth going to the the conversation where this is kind of spelled out but keep in mind that when antoine kind of regaled annie of what he's been up to she actually takes fault or she critiques his lifestyle in the sense that he's so passive Mm. He still doesn't act in those moments. Like whenever there's that narrative arc that builds that point of the quote unquote perfect moment or the special moment, he doesn't act. And that's his problem. He's yeah. so passive in those moments. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I think that's the difference between the mindset of Annie that we're talking about and the behavior mm. of Antoine is that Antoine is a passive character. No, I he doesn't I seize the moment. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, uh, impression I think it's true but um, my, my point was more so in terms of like how Annie's characterizing this idea of a perfect moment I was kind of filling in some of the details like not included by some of Antoine's actions where like if the difference is simply that like Antoine doesn't act where Annie would try to act then like there's still this moment of or this like prior moment of like recognition and like build up which Jordan and I were just talking about right like I, that, that's why I was saying, like, I think Andy was giving this like much more meaning than really, like you probably ought. No, I, I totally disagree. Like, okay. The, the, the example that I kind of anonymized about like, you know, that, that girl in college. Okay. Yeah. There was like, you know, build up to kind of like the moment where it could have been perfect or not. Mm-hmm. And sure. Like you could say, okay, well that, that like build up could have gone differently right? Like I could have made my feelings known like earlier or not, or yeah. like she could have, or also it could have fizzled or it could have like, you know what I mean? Whatever. Um, but, but it was actually that moment that was like, that held all the potential. And she, she, Annie talked about like those privileged situations. And I yeah. almost read that as like a privileged situation is one in which you like have the potential for a perfect moment. Right. Because like, I will never be in a privileged situation with that specific person in that specific way ever again, just because time 
you know, it just, it doesn't work like that. It marches forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I understand like, that. so no, it, I, I actually totally like I'm falling for her romanticism, like even more now that we're talking through <laughs> this, because it actually was that moment and that moment alone. See, see I don't know. I mean, I, I just probably wouldn't characterize it like in that, like those stark terms. And oh, I also, totally would. Another, well, no, this is actually an interesting <laughs> yeah. kind of discussion. Um, cause yeah. th- I also think this relates to like Antoine's cause earlier, much earlier in the book, we discussed this last time, but, um, he kind of like, and I think we kind of pseudo criticized him for it, but like, he kind of had this like protagonist mindset, like people, he was novelizing his life. Um, like because he was, he was journaling, every, you mean n- not just the journal. I mean, that, <laughs> that may have played some sort of role, but I mean more so that like he would, kind of be upset when he would like not find himself as kind of like a main character in some event that was about to occur. And this does relate to like Annie's descriptions. Um, but to me, like I kind of, cause in the first part, I kind of viewed that as like a little bit of an odd of a psychological kind of framing, right? Like he's like always look looking for these arcs that he could be a part of. Right. Like, mm. um, like the but, woman crying on the street or whatever was, yeah. Really, we're like, it's yeah, like, okay, well yeah. there it is. And he, obviously he, he didn't <laughs> catastrophically draw the ball there. Right. Like he did and not who act. knows like what in a different world, like what if he had acted and they had like fallen in love and like started a family and lived yeah. this wonderful life. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. I don't know. I, I just got the it impression a, that like it was a privileged situation. So going, it was. it was no, I agree. Um, but I guess going into like Annie's conversation, I had this impression from like, you know, the 200 pages prior where like Antoine seemed to have like this kind of psycho lot, not quite disorder, but like this kind of paranoia where he was like always like searching for arcs and mm. things like that. And so to me, whenever Annie was finally describing, it almost seemed like an origin to his feelings and all of this to me, had seemed at this point like it's kind of an overblown odd kind of phenomenon like an odd way to live your life i understand like the idea of like yeah you kind of really blew these kind of like key moments or like you know your inaction led to you know closed possibilities like i get those but like i i did and again easily easy to disagree here but i did impart a very large scale to like Annie's comments about these like precious moments. These were just things like that. She's just trying to like, you know, not blow opportunities. These were things like she oriented her life around. And then like her, like, because those things no longer have weight to her, she is dead. Like that is like the level of gravity. She gave these things. And you know what is, I mean? The thing is different. I, I, I do want you to try to like, I guess distinguish between the way Antoine lives his life and the critique we both have for it, both us and Annie, mm-hmm. in the sense that yes, he does attempt to narrativize, you know, narrativize his life, but he expects things to happen to him without any action on his part, right? Yeah. So the thing is, we can take away, you know, from Annie's philosophy, like a very different perspective where, okay. Carpe you know, diem almost. Yeah, in, in a sense that, yeah, yeah. in a sense that okay, you don't have to be looking for narratives everywhere, but you should be on the lookout for them, such that if you're having that sort of day, you shouldn't sit idle. Like no. if there is the perfect moment, you seize that moment, you act. So, and that's something that Antoine doesn't do. He 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 will recognize narrative such that okay, here is a moment in which something either beautiful or terrible could happen, but he expects it just to happen to him 
while he idly almost as like a passive observer just experiences it. Yeah. And I think that's something that's that Annie recognized in him. And that's one of the reasons like I think she still feels disdain to some degree for him. Like that's why she said, like, I think maybe I hated you the most. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's because pretty, I mean because you stark. you were someone that just let those moments go by. You were yes. not you were not someone that acted in those moments. Yeah. You know, I think I'm willing to see Annie's perspective a little bit more clearly now. Like, I totally, like, I, th- again, this might be part of my critique of Sartre in this book, but, like, I was trying to find some, like, l- I th- maybe this was influenced a lot by reading Dostoevsky before this, but we could, like, see the purpose of these kind of things. Like, the relationship between, the like, parts or, like, um, the relationship between, like, the, you know, small arcs that happened in the narrative. Like, these seem to serve a purpose we could discuss and then, like, flesh out and then observe. But for me here, it was, like, I wasn't sure the relations, like, between the narrative and the philosophy. Um, and the narrative and the psychology was a little bit easier to understand. But um, Antoine's I, definitely no hero in this book. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah, I mean protagonist in the yeah. sense that we follow him, not in the yeah, sense Yeah, no, of course. That's what I mean, like, like the philosophy is not like coming from his behavior, right? Like, the, or in, yeah, it's like an it anti No, no, exactly. It could be like, okay, well, it's the antithesis of how he lives his life. Yeah, I mean, so. Dostoevsky also introduced a character with which to kind of critique, um, you know, that outlook. So, but I, I, it was just a lot less clear for me here, um, just personally. But I, I, I will at least admit that I, I, I can give Annie's um, view a little bit better of a light. I thought like originally that we were kind of just seeing like Annie imparted onto Antoine kind of these views. I mean, it's true. Obviously there's a huge difference in like the way they behave, but I kind of viewed them both as kind of like <clears throat> perceived as less healthy psychologically. But I think I was imparting some of Antoine onto Annie, um, which wasn't necessarily written. This is, I mean? this is related um at least tangentially. Can I read yeah, when, when Annie says um, this is like when she says that she's outlived herself, which I found very interesting. She says, <clears throat> you know, she's talking with Antoine. She says, I outlive myself. Uh, this is that Antoine writing. The tone does not correspond in any way to her face. It is not tragic. It is horrible. It expresses a dry despair without tears, without pity. Yes. Something in her has irredeemably dried out. The mask falls. She smiles. I'm not sad at all. I'm often amazed at it, but I was wrong. Why should I be sad? I used to be capable of rather splendid passions. I hated my mother passionately. And you, she says defiantly, I loved you passionately. And then she continues, all that is over, of course. And Antoine asks, how can you tell? And she says, I know. I know that I shall never again meet anything or anyone who will inspire me with passion. You know, it's quite a job starting to love somebody. You have to have energy, generosity, blindness. There is even a moment in the very beginning when you have to jump across a precipice. If you think about it, you won't do it. I know I'll never jump again. And I had that last line, like like double underlined and highlighted where she says, there is even a moment in the very beginning where you have to jump across a precipice. If you think about it, you won't do it. I'll, I know I'll never jump again. And at first, like, I kind of thought that that was a very childish line, but then I reflected on it. And I actually think that that might be the best line in the entire book because we should find it. <laughs> uh, it's on our page 145, but I don't know what it is for you. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry as well. Like, 
when you okay at first i was like okay that sounds like extremely irrational no you should kind of consider things and do them but then i thought about everything that i think is going well in my life and also the things i regret and there is actually okay like i don't know the decision to like quit my job and go back to school for philosophy that seems like it was a very sort of deliberative very instrumental very like thought out very rational decision but actually upon reflection that's not how it happened i almost sort of realized one day that that was my plan like i didn't actually make the decision to do it i almost realized that i was in the act of pursuing it and like going back to the example with like the girl uh, in college, like the, the very problem there was that I didn't jump across the precipice. It was just like, I was just held back by like inaction, indecision, like not, there was just some. Was it the thought that poisoned the well there or was it just kind of general? Yeah, in it, action. Was, it, was in it action. was like thought adjacent. It was just okay. like, it was just, it was, there, there was no, I just like failed to, I mean, there's no other word than act, honestly. Yeah, no, I understand that part. But like in Annie's, she was describing how the, the thought itself will, you know, necessitate the failure. Yeah. Um, I was yeah. just curious if you mapped onto that part as well. I, I kind of did in a lot of ways where like, you don't think about it. Like I never decided to be friends with either of you. Like I, there was no thought behind that. And there wasn't even like, there wasn't even really a thought of like, I don't know, like starting like, like these like discussion podcasts or whatever, like it obviously in some sense there was because I had to like ask you guys if you wanted to do it and like, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it was like, I almost like the very moment of deciding was synonymous with beginning the action or like forethought of like planning it out. There was no, excuse me. I, I, I don't know. Does that, did that, does that resonate with either of you at all? It does. It does. Can you read that line again, though, one last time? Yeah, I yeah. can't yeah, for the life of me. No, yeah, I just, I just want to hear it again. Yeah, I'll read that, that final paragraph. She says, <clears throat> I know. I know that I shall never again meet anything or anyone who will inspire me with passion. You know, it's quite a job starting to love somebody. You have to have energy, generosity, blindness. There is even a moment in the very beginning when you have to jump across a precipice. If you think about it, you won't do it. I know I'll never jump again. She almost seems like she almost has like she's lost that like child childlike wonder almost. Do you, do you know how there are things that just inspire excitement in you? And there are things that don't. It's yeah. almost like everything falls into the category of non-exciting for her at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I I think you uh you have a good example there where you know I, you typically I mean we all regret actions of ours, but certainly the one like the, 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 the like the things that haunt me the most are moments of inaction. You know yeah. what I mean? Where it's like I didn't act at points in my life. Yeah. Um. So, and there is sort of like a some leap of faith involved in a lot of action like whether yeah. it's like you know to capitalize on a special moment or pursue a dream um 
yeah, and it's not that we can't regret those. It's that those, if we don't act in those moments, those do haunt us. Yeah. And they're actually gone. Like, yeah, and she does sound dead upon reading that paragraph. Yeah. Once again, because if it's, you know, if you can't take those leaps anymore. Yeah, it's, it's almost yeah. as if she decided that, like, the scope of possibilities will not justify the leap. Like, it, it's just, I don't want to say just pessimism. It sounds like really just depression. It, it honestly, like, dude, reading that, like, really, really, it just kind of made me very sad, honestly, yeah. reading that. Like, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I actually think it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to imagine life without that at this point. Like, honestly, like, the points where I have been the most depressed are kind of moments or chapters in my life where I don't see a way, you know, kind of like my my view of those energizing potentials are shrinking do you know what i mean like that 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 i don't know if this is like idiosyncratic for me but that that is when i get like very very depressed yeah i completely agree with that 100 it just i don't know it's like (laughs) you know how different mornings depending on what you have planned for that day you wake up with more or less energy like whenever i go camping with brian and I wake up, it's crazy. I, Adam, and no, Giffen knows this more than Adam. I need coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> like I, dude, and I it's need, problematic. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a problem. I, I, I need coffee in the morning to be like functional mentally and even almost like physically sometimes. Uh, and there is one one scenario in which that is not the case and when it's like when i'm camping with brian like when we i don't need coffee for the entire trip and it's crazy because i just like wake up having slept on like the hard ground all night with like bugs and i have like energy and it's crazy because i'm just looking forward to like the hike so much Mm. uh and it's almost like it's almost like she's lost that feeling to any degree like she doesn't know why she's waking up any morning yeah, and she she decided that those moments are just impossible to feel again. And I guess this is just more of an aside for people who haven't read it, but she does say that she was once an actress in plays, and now she seems to be some sort of like a concubine almost, or like a <laughs> <laughs> concubine. I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, she, I mean, definitely... she, she, she seems almost like I wouldn't go concubine. I, 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 <laughs> she's concubine adjacent. I, I think she's found a guy who like will bring something for her, but like there yes. might not be a huge spark. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, it also I, seems I, like I she was with him age. to survive, though. Yeah, I can't tell the age of the guy. I mean, she just said that he was like, mm, or, or Antoine younger. just said he was like a handsome Egyptian-looking guy, kind yeah, of well-built yeah. and younger um, than her. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I, I would agree with Giffen's characterization that she found a guy who will take care of her. And clearly there's some sort of sexual relation there. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't go concubine. So <laughs> she's just like, she, she's like uh, one of King Solomon's concubines. So, <laughs> one of the 500. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I was putting a more modern spin on it, but... Um... Okay. Um, 
I definitely, I definitely see the philosophy of the book now. Do you guys kind of see it too now? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. like I, well, I definitely I was going to say to a lesser degree than you do apparently. <laughs> no, I because because the thing is, Giffen, like, it's like, I mean, they're like the famous Sartre quotes where it's like, you know, you know, man is ultimately condemned to be free. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was like the one quote Jordan gave about. You know, when a student asked Sartre whether he should like, you know, enlist in like, you know, to, to fight in what World War Two. Yeah, and or like, stay you home with his aggrieved mother because she had lost all of her other sons. And he was like, you must choose. <laughs> yeah, the only advice I can give you is to like to choose. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. No. So it's like you, you must act. And um that we can we can see here like a, the life of someone that that doesn't act right here like someone that ultimately mm-hmm. is just lives an extremely passive life where he like dips in and out of like just being fully you know cognizant of like existence and consciousness but doesn't act but is but lives a very passive life otherwise it's unbelievable so. how passive his life is it, it's like the it's like the apotheosis of passivity. Like you, you can't, it's hard to imagine a life that is more passive than his, to be honest. Um, can, can I, so I was going to say like in wrapping up the narrative part, because it's relevant to like the inaction, he, sh- she's leaving uh, the next day to go to uh, L- London. I, I don't remember. London. Yeah. Uh, London. Um, and he shows up that this was like this was maddening to read he shows up at the train station he sees her and her egyptian prince getting on the train and you know the the the, the guy leaves to go get i don't know like a newspaper or something for the for the for the train ride and she sees him and she just stares at him and he just stares back and then watches the guy get on the train and it leaves like it was like masochism almost like did, did, were you guys like extremely angry with that it, it was just once again his inaction he, once he again, showed up it, expecting everything to be taken care of for yes, him yes yes yeah. just, so just just to like pursue this girl in one last dish attempt just to stand there on the train station on, the, on i mean on the platform yeah and it's like it i i mean i i feel like that was a pretty powerful excuse me, pretty powerful scene where it's just like, once again, Antoine doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. He just, he does like the necessary behavior in order to put himself in a position to act. Yes. And then doesn't act. He's like, he's like one of those chronic people who writes like 98% of a paper, but doesn't finish the 2% that would be required to like submit it to a journal or something. He, he strikes. Yeah, I mean, he, he does that with his like history. That's true. Right? He, he writes it for yeah. what, two, four years. And then he just one day is like, this is dead. That's actually, that's actually true. That's actually true. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I guess like, I agree with that, that point. Like, um, he, he is a chronic inactor. Um, but I don't know. Did did you feel like there should have been more to it than just that? Because I I, oh, I think yeah. as a, as a psychology, this was an interesting kind of read. Um, although kind of difficult in the sense that it's a lot of the same. Um, and tr- <laughs> tr- like depressing at points. Um, 
But like whenever you were referencing the philosophy, Adam, you actually just referenced two quotes that aren't from this work. You referenced like Sartre's quotes, which like part of my problem isn't like that. I, I couldn't conceive of like what Sartre would believe after reading this. It's that <laughs> he doesn't really spell it out very well. Like it seems like the like he wanted to write a novel and kind of sprinkled a few like no like thin garnishes of philosophy to be picked up, but mostly it seemed to be psychological in my like in my reading at least. Like, well, did you guys I think, grasp I think, I think more we're than supposed just like to the... read this and be horrified, and it's supposed <laughs> to like tell you how not to live, and it's like okay, well, what's the opposite of how this guy lives? I mean, so I agree that I am pulling on quotes that are outside the novel but at the same time it's like i mean the bleak picture depicted in this novel i mean obviously it's no prescription on how to live like this is this is really like telling you how not to live how not to go about life in some other that's true but in some other way it seemed like he was it's not that like he wasn't enacting necessarily in that sense it was more like he was being like at least the way i can read it now at least it's like he's just kind of suffering from depression, right? And that that's a way that it's like harder to like I don't want to say like we can't blame him at all, but like it, it muddles the message for me a little bit. I, I thought like a big mistake of Antoine's was that he was incorrect in believing that inaction was genuinely an option because inaction is just like its own course of action. Obviously it's, you know, it's like a saying that everyone, you know, inaction is action just in another form, but like, but this guy seemed to be the like reductio ad absurdum of that view. We're like, I I, I don't know. Like think about it. It's just like, I think there's, this is almost like taking the question of like, you know, everyone is either risk averse or not to some degree. And, and this guy's almost just like, okay, what if someone is just like as risk averse as you could be? Like, what would that life look like? Um, and I don't know, like if I just think about, I don't know, it's just like a dumb example I keep going back to, but I think about like that girl in college and um, like my inaction there seemed to be it, it, it was almost like it, it, it almost psychologically, it was like a very Antoine-esque experience, but it, because it seemed to be almost a sort of like, it, 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 it was almost as if like Antoine almost believes that you can like press play or pause on the video, like on like a, on like a, you know, a movie you're watching or whatever, and just sort of take time away from the movie, but you can never actually press pause. Well, the more, the more, uh, probably appropriate comparison would be with a novel. Like you can just put down a novel. Like he, he invokes novels, I think a couple times here. It's well, like, but I think that's more disanalogous because it's just like, I think the point that is like, maybe one of the points you could take from the novel is like, okay, like life is almost like a movie of sorts where you can't press pause. I, I don't know. Like, do, do you, do, maybe I'm making that point a very bad way. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with I the point. It. I just thought of like an absurd thought. So <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I was just thinking of like other areas of like, like social critique and philosophy in the book. And I don't even know what we're going to say about the self-taught man. Oh. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get to this. What? Okay, what role in this? Th- this story could have not included the self-taught man, and I, I, I'm not. 
I, what what role did he play in this? It was madness. I, I'll give you my perspective <laughs> on this. And, 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 and I, I, okay, so where am I wrong in this? I, I think the character is really stupid because the character... Wait, can, can, we, can we say real quick what the self-taught man actually like? Yeah, okay. The okay, okay, so, so, so the self-taught readers. So, so the self-taught man is an apprentice in the city of Booville who spends his lunch break going to the library and reading. And he reads through all the books in the library, A through Z, and he's currently halfway through. So <laughs> so he is someone that just absorbs knowledge and, and doesn't act. It doesn't act. Uh, and well, he acts in certain ways. Yeah, and he's like, okay, but here's some other things to say about him. So later in the book, he actually has brunch um, with Antoine, and he professes his humanist beliefs. And, you know, Antoine pushes back and says, you know, why love all men? Do you love this this man behind me? Do you love yes. these people in this cafe? Like, and and it and, seems, and he says yes, and the self taught man kind of like you know retorts, "How can you love them without knowing them?" And he sort of says like he just loves them for their almost like potential characteristics. He, he almost no, says like no 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 he he gives a better answer <clears throat> than that. Like I I actually like I actually liked the answer that the self taught man gave, and he said. It's honestly hard to be a man. It is oh, hard. Yeah, it's yeah, hard yeah. to be after, a man. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the thing is, like, you know, we're all kind of going through life, like, mm. with these real struggles, and having some recognition of that fact provides you some empathy for your common man. Where it's like, mm. ultimately, we come from different perspectives. But it, honestly, living is hard. It is hard to navigate life, you know, regardless mm. of your background and yeah. Um, and, and I thought that was actually a really good, you know, reason for why one would be a humanist because it's like, regardless of your background, it's it's that common, just difficulty and struggle through life, right? Yes. And I thought that was good, actually. I'm like, and, and Antoine doesn't actually buy it. Like, he's very dismissive of humanism. Mm. Yeah. But but here here's my problem with the narrative arc of the self-taught man. <laughs> like, the self-taught man ends up being just, like, some pedophile that, like, just, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> that ends up, like, like stalks up, his library. Yeah, he stalks the library. And it almost, like, we, we now have to question, wait a second, why did he come to the library? Yes. Like, he said, like, I've been coming here for, for months. Years. For no, months. years. No, years. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. the whole library. But, but, but remember the end, he's been screaming, I've been coming here for months, for months. I think he or, says years. Does he say yeah, years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just keeps okay. repeating that after he's been, like, bloodied. Uh, Regardless, I mean... We I think, I think been the up to um, Corsican behavior. was watching him for months, maybe. Maybe. Okay, that. okay, he's okay, been, like, but... On and, him. And, and he's and he's been up to this for a while. I mean, remember like when he comes out kind of like harassed out of like the library early yes. in the book? And he's just like, Oh, it's the Corsican. Like, I can't tell you details, but like, you know. Wait, really? Oh yeah. Wait, when did that happen? I remember that? that? Like I do remember that. No. Yes. I yes. completely blocked that out. Yes, yes. So I I didn't it's, make the connection. Um, Whoa. That's yeah, terrifying. Let me try to think of exactly when Antoine's entering the library there. It's 
I, I think I, I think it might be when Antoine invites him over to. Yes, it's before Antoine invites him over to. Um, no, actually, it might be when he, the self-taught man invites him for brunch. Mm, yeah, that yeah. Sounds right. He comes out of the library harassed, and you know, mm. yeah, yeah. Dude, I had blocked that out. Yeah. So clearly, this has been something that's been going on for a while. Who knows yeah. how long? Yeah. But it's just like, 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 what the fuck is this critique here? Like, I, <laughs> that, that like, 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 the like, entire novel. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the self-professed humanist is actually just a pedophile. One of the few people like, who actually articulates something that makes sense to me in the entire yeah, book. Yeah. Right, Adam, you, gave, you gave me the one. You've aligned with line, a Literally in the entire novel. And it, yes. it's even muddied further by the fact that I know this is another outside knowledge being pulled in. One of Sartre's major papers is existentialism is a humanism. <laughs> I, I don't know what is mapping onto what. I don't know what the narrative, like, I don't know what the relationship between the narrative and, like, the philosophy is, like, at all, like, frankly. I, I can understand, like, if you just look at the character who is, like, our protagonist, why he is not someone to follow. But all of these other things just bring huge question marks. Why Why is it that the one rational character we talk to, because remember, I didn't get a super positive first impression of Annie. The one rational character we talk to at length ends up being a pedophile. That's the end of the book. And it just ends. Um, yeah, and he's, it, actually, it's he's, frustrating. A, he's actually not a deplorable character either because Antoine has a certain disdain for everyone. Yeah. So considering how he depicts everyone, I mean, he actually like will, will attribute a lot of a lot of positive attributes to the self-taught man. Mm. Like, there's like a certain charm to his voice at points. I mean, he's someone that like spends his days trying to like educate himself. I mean, even like his breath is like coffee and tobacco, which isn't like not you know, terrible. It, like, it's, it's not like yeah, it's not, not like terrible, but. <laughs> You, you could definitely have worse smelling breath though than yeah, coffee and tobacco. It was viewed nostalgically, it seemed like in this case. By yeah, I mean, I mean, Giffen. Think of like everyone else he described, like, like even the girl. I know, I know. Even the girl. I mean, this is like a major throwback. We don't have to dwell on this, but this is even like remember like the the flashing scene where the girl <laughs> yeah. is is like there's like some young girl who's like um, across for some older man at the park. It, oh, yeah. it, it, it's the day where there's like mist around the city and yeah. Antoine nearly accosted. That, yeah. Antoine thinks that there's almost like, um, there's like this underlying sort of menace to the city in a sense. And he sees yes. like this man sitting on the bench in the cold and the mist in the park. Yes. Right. <laughs> and, he, and he sees like his red ears just poking out beneath the cap and he's in a trench coat. And, like so like he this is like upon like him exiting the library yeah um but he walks by the park and this is like kind of like a scene far away from him but he sees like a young girl like running down the park and like the man rises up with like a <laughs> wicked grin on his face and, it, and it's just like and he, so says, he says he can like see his eyes and he looks like half asleep with like almost like this it's a just very disturbing scene. Do you remember, what page was this on? Yeah, we should read this because because um, Sartre, Sartre has this way of like because this was my experience reading the um like the library scene with the self taught man too where he has this way of like describing things where you're almost questioning your own ability to understand what's actually going on because he 
he just talks about like there was a finger and it was like it was so it's strange. so abrupt it is it's, extraordinary like basically well, it's abrupt but it's also not because you're like no you, you, well, you're like there's got to be some other interpretation abrupt here. in the sense that usually we're interrupting like antoine's random like train oh, of thought and yeah. then it's just like a then it's the vivid description for paragraphs about what's occurring and you're like oh, what okay i found it it's insane I found it. okay read it okay I was going to push open the gate, but the expression on his face stopped me. He wrinkled his eyes and half grinned, stupidly and affectedly. But at the same time, he stared straight ahead at something I could not see with a look so hard and with such intensity that I suddenly turned back. Opposite to him, one foot raised, her mouth half opened, a little girl of about ten, fascinated, was watching him, pulling nervously at her scarf her pointed face thrusting forward. The man was smiling to himself like, a, like someone about to play a good joke. Suddenly he stood up, his hands in the pockets of his cloak, which fell to his feet. He took two steps forward, his eyes rolling. I thought he was going to fall, but he kept on smiling sleepily. I suddenly understood. The cloak! I wanted to stop it. It would have been enough to cough or open the gate. But in my turn, I was fascinated by the little girl's face. Her features were drawn with fear and her heart must have been beating horribly. Yet I could also read something powerful and wicked on that rat-like face. It was not curiosity, but rather a sort of assured expectation. I felt impotent. I was outside on the edge of the park, on the edge of their little drama, where they were riveted one to the other by the obscure power of their desires. They made a pair together. I held my breath. I wanted to see what expression would come on that elfish face when the man behind my back would spread out the folds of his cloak. But suddenly free, the little girl shook her head and began to run. The man in the cloak had seen me. That was what had stopped him. So, yeah, yeah. So extremely what? disturbing scene where like, yes. like, like in the midst of this park, like he sees like this man rise, like with like, 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 <laughs> like some like 10 year old who is like, 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 you know, look of fear and just yeah. like, you know, almost just like assured destruction in a sense. It's like this man, like with his coat is going to like, you know, about to flash her. So super, super he- disturbing scene. Impotent um, is like the perfect word to describe him. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I honestly don't know what to make of the self-taught man. Like, I just honestly don't. The only Breathe. dude. The only like. I, I don't know. I think the, the way. Go, go ahead. I was gonna say the only thing I could possibly imagine is that it's just another way to kind of characterize Antoine, because um, I mentioned this like well much earlier, but like. Antoine basically like after seeing like this kind of occur the, the event um, and like the Corsican finally catching like the self-taught man in, in action Antoine just kind of like observes that he's irate and you're like okay yeah fair but then he goes and it like pulls the Corsican up <laughs> it's like what yes. on earth is, is a he like here? held him by his collar like yeah, you know kind of prepared to he, hit him he ended up letting him go but also like this is Oh, it's pretty similar to the scene we just described with like the um uh the flasher but um it's like his his sympathies seem to match poorly with, with any normal persons yeah. i don't know why like i don't know why he was like 
<laughs> angry to the point of action only at this moment, right? At the Corsican, of course, of, of all characters in this scene. And there, um, there's definitely a critique there of, you know, someone who once again, like you said, is like Antoine in the sense that he is someone who is full of inaction himself. And even when caught in the act, it seems like it was almost something that was like, almost like robotic behavior on the part of like the self-taught man in a sense. It was like, it <laughs> was the impression be- that he expected this for like months. And he's just like finally yeah. working through the motions, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. my time has finally come. Like, Yeah, like the whole thing was like, once again, it seemed like very passive behavior on like the self-taught man's end too, where it was like, like he's just absorbed in books all the time, never really experiences anything, but then like tries to like feel up a kid. But even then it's like, there's not like a lot of like reflection on his part on that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what this, I, the only there were some dude, odd inclusions in this in this book the, that I'm not sure the purpose uh, of. The only thing that like the self-taught man made me think about is, <laughs> I mean, obviously this is a this is a, an extreme example, but there is this strangeness to life and strangeness to characters where, like, there kind of will be just like very strange characters that like you kind of just witness in your life and then they're gone. Like the, there's no, there's no kind of like cathartic moment with the self-taught man. Like he never confronts him. He never, he, he, it's like weird. He never agrees nor disagrees with what he's doing. Like he doesn't, I don't know. It's just like, he, he was almost like witness to the whole thing. And it just made me think about how there are like just very strange moments in life where you'll have either these like brief encounters or just like witnesses of people who are just kind of deeply strange and that's it. There's never a resolution. I I, I don't know. It it just seemed to like some of like these characters, I I totally agree with what you're saying, but it seems like some of these characters only serve to like confirm some of like Antoine's views on people. Like, you know what I mean? Where like, they just, I mean, like the guy sitting in the park, like Antoine viewed him as like a menace and it's like, okay, typically if we pass someone in the park, they're not are, actually a menace. They're not actually a menace. But this guy <laughs> was like, they came to like, well, like the most wicked creatures from like the spire. You know what I mean? Just like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, it's like, okay, that, okay. So people in that situation should be viewed that way because they're very much capable of that. And it's like the self-taught man. It's like, yeah, you're totally right. There are just like, like life is crazy and people are capable of like lots of hidden things behind the scenes. But it's like, well, what's the takeaway here? Like, you know, someone of like, who's well read and has like come to like a philosophy we all agree with. And even like the author agrees with is ultimately like a pedo. And it's like, yeah, it's not that it's not that it can't happen. It's that that why was that included? Why why like 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 why should it have <laughs> <No>. happened? <laughs> so. I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah, because <laughs> like it, it wasn't even like it, it wasn't to serve some other aim. It wasn't to it, honestly even like the juxtaposition between Antoine and the self-taught man. You know, before you realize the wickedness that he possesses, that's not even that relevant. I, I, it's not even like that. 
I mean, Antoine is hardly even interested in the conversation as it's occurring. <laughs> it was, I, I just, uh, the, it, that, it was, that, I don't know what to make of that besides the, the connection there to like life actually can be that strange sometimes, but that, but that's, that is not like an extremely didactic point on my head. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that, I, I, I basically am just searching for something that means more than just kind of like at face value. It's like, huh, that's a curiosity. When you think about it, you might yeah. find a pedophile in a park. <laughs> like, like there, I, I just felt like I, I don't know if I, I, just I, I don't know. expectations, but like I'm reading through this and I'm just like, there were flashes where I was like, Oh, um, not those kind of flashes. Um, <laughs> there were like moments where I'm like, oh, like Sartre has the opportunity here to like discuss like politics here. Like, you know, obviously he's a very political person or like, yeah. oh, he's actually like whenever the humanism starts to come up, it's like, okay, well, this is he wrote this novel in this character to start discussing humanism. But then all of that gets thrown out the window. Like the Paris commune is touched on just faintly in like another scene that goes nowhere. And mm. um, the humanism is just muddled thoroughly by all of the things we just talked about. Like, I, I just do not know what to make from this experience of reading this, you know, other than like the don't be like Antoine, which I feel like there needs to be more. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, honestly, the only thing I have is just like it, the, the only thing I have is that we obviously are looking for an explanation and that mirrors what we would look at or we, what we would look for in life, but <clears throat> that just like doesn't exist. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that was the point. Like that, <clears throat> that seems like a legitimate perspective actually is like, if, if, if somehow reading this didn't get, bring you to that thought, like, the, <laughs> like the, there are, okay. <laughs> like this, there's no chance I could anonymize like anything that I'm thinking about right now. But there have been just like extremely absurd moments that I've experienced where for the, like, uh, there, there's almost nothing that I could learn. It, it would be, ep it's epistemically impossible for me to get like a, a kind of conclusion to like that just insane experience. Like Adam, I know that you're probably thinking of the one that I'm thinking of. <laughs> and I, I, not, you can't even say more than that right now. Give it all, I'll tell you off air. I, okay. I think I've told you this story, but like I, I'll find out, I guess. Yeah, let, and let unless me, the, the whole point of the novel is just to give you a another if if the text itself didn't give you this impression like he's just like you need to address the the absurdity of what you just read it, it, no and honestly like that okay, there's no about, purpose like that experience like there was no purpose behind it and there's nothing that i can draw from it it was just like purely mad it was like that, that that's actually the reason i cackled whenever given text in like the group chat like like what, like what the fuck is this book because i i knew that like he had just finished reading about yes, like, yes, like yes. just like a, the self-taught man he's like yeah the self-taught man's actually a pedo the end, <laughs> the end. that is 100 percent it I, I, so weird. My, my most scathing critique i think of this book would be like some of these things could be just condensed to a TikTok. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I actually, like, I mean, like, legitimately, though, like, this was a 250-page book for me, you know, depending on, like, the version you had. <laughs> and I'm, I just, I just don't know why. And, again, maybe that is the point. Maybe that, like, that actually does kind of map is, like, um, Antoine is searching for some, like, you know, higher point, but, like, addresses that there isn't one necessarily. Yeah. But like I, I don't even know if that's that's right necessarily. 
Uh, maybe the last question, because I'm realizing at this point, like when we splice the two parts together, it's going to be really long. Yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've got one last thing I want to discuss, too. Okay, okay. Um, we'll, we'll do mine first, and then we'll, but don't forget yours. Um, okay, if you guys had to like tell me at this point, what would you describe nausea as? Like, what would your answer be? The novel or the feeling? No, the feeling. <laughs> I, for, for, I, I would say the feeling would be a complete impact <clears throat> with, or a complete collision with the recognition of consciousness and experience. So, um, see that to the, the reason why I asked is because at first I kind of thought it was something like what you said, Adam, but the weird thing is that like, I don't know. Um, I the book probably I contradicts should, should... it at a couple points, to be honest. Well, what I was going to say is like, it's not even like he, he gives so many accounts of nausea and I don't even know that they're like contradictory, but they're definitely not the same thing. <laughs> Um, well, right. well, in his case, actually, can I mend mine a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, and for him, that feeling is unbearable. Yes, I was going to say. Yeah, because yeah there's it, actually, it's unbearable for him. But. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, the way that the thing that you just described can almost be like the very tranquil experience of just like being mindful. But for him, it's almost like mindfulness itself has like a very grating quality. Like a, I, I, I don't know how to describe this actually, it. This actually relates to what I was going to bring up too. Okay. Because because yeah. I was going to say that like, I just, I didn't, it didn't resonate with me much of the experience of nausea because I mean, mm. take for example, his encounter with objects in that state of mind. Yes. Like objects themselves become just like, like he can feel like the table beneath his hands like the clothes on his skin and it's like intolerable that he's able to feel all this. And it's like, okay, I can, I can go so far as like, okay, there is like a certain state of mind you can get into where you become fully present of your hands, of the table on your hands, of the clothes on your skin. But for him, it was just this, it was, it was, you know, just miserable for him. Yeah. I actually made a note at some point. I don't remember when this was, it might've been near the end. But like whenever he was kind of describing like, I mean, he was kind of personifying objects, but also like it was his own like aspects of his body. But he was just recognizing the sort of pseudo self in it. But um, the, the closest thing I could relate to, and I had a hard time relating to Antoine like throughout this entire book, but it was like almost a, a sense of body horror. It was like that was like it, it's not what nausea is, but like it's like adjacent, like right. Mm. Or an aspect of nausea might be represented by body horror like i remember one time like i was like feeling very like you know unwell like sick and there was like just i was very like knowledgeable about like my throat being very sore it was like just constantly like this low ache and it's like you don't like it is i guess it's like an over stimulation of like mindfulness in, in jordan's terms like like is that like that's not nausea but like that's the closest thing i could get to it's like i i don't know um but <laughs> Giffen, you won't be able to relate to this unless it's in a sickness, a, like illness rather um, way. Okay. <clears throat> I've been hung over before where like the next morning or maybe it's the night of or the next morning, you like don't know if you're going to throw up or not, but you're like extremely nauseous and it's a horrible feeling. 
and I wonder if there's I wonder if there's a connection between like the physical sensation of nausea and his psychological one where like the feeling of nausea is almost one where it's just like oh you're, you're kind of like oh I could throw up right now and it's like this terrible feeling of just like uh is this gonna happen like is it not it's just like just you're just like very... focused on it for like periods of time right until there's yeah. a resolution and I, I'm wondering if he's got like kind of a psychologically analogous perspective there where he, he's always in this like <laughs> he's like he's like always like just edging where it's just like something could happen but like it but but he's got to be the thing to make it happen but he doesn't want to be but like he wants the thing to happen and it's just this a confluence of ah just like pa- paranoia but also um there's an aspect of just like like vertigo almost to it where he can't like i i don't even know how to describe it yeah uh, i think i think part of my problem with like the definition of this book and maybe upon like a like a reread it would be much more clear but i mean i almost kind of go back to like my original definition a little bit just because like there are points in which he places himself in situations where he expects the nausea to come and he's almost looking forward to it. Yeah. Right. Do you remember yeah. like when he's like, um, I, I have a my... few, um, oh, I'm sorry, finish your thought. I was going to say, what about like the final library scene when he walks in and he said like the way, like the light is shining on everything. It made it seem like a forest in a sense. And there was like a certain piece to the library where he'd almost like entered this almost, ethereal i guess like situation you know what i mean where and then he's like reading like the newspaper if i recall correctly and he's waiting for the nausea to come but it's not in like a negative sense it's written almost as like an anticipation Mm. and it's different than how it's been used throughout the book so i'm like no, I, I agree. Like the nausea is super inconsistent because he seems to be suffering from other like kind of psychological conditions or like sufferings that he distinguishes from nausea. But then at other times it characterizes the nausea. Like I was just very unclear on what that was. Um, Jordan, I don't know if you're going to wind up giving us your definition of nausea or not. Well, I don't know. So I have <laughs> my answer. I have um, I, I wrote down several page numbers to like quote from where he. <coughs> sorry, where he talks about nausea. I was almost curious, would, would I be able to read all of them yes, in a please, row? Please, okay, please. this isn't all of them, but it's definitely a list. Okay, <clears throat> so this is on 122 where he says, so this is nausea, this blinding evidence. I have scratched my head over it. I've written about it. Now I know I exist. The world exists. And I know that the world exists. That's all. It makes no difference to me. It's strange that everything makes so little difference to me. It frightens me. Ever since the day I wanted to play Ducks and Drakes, I was going to throw that pebble. I looked at it and then it all began. I felt that it existed. Then after that, there were other nauseas. From time to time, objects start existing in your hand. There was the nausea of the railwayman's rendezvous, which I think is like a whorehouse. Um, And then another before that, the night I was looking out the window. Then another in the park, one Sunday, then others. But it had never been as strong as today. And later on, he says, 
I feel as though I could do anything. For instance, I could stab this cheese knife into the self-taught man's eye. That was what you were referencing earlier, Adam. And then he concludes by not doing that, by saying it isn't worth the trouble. <clears throat> so then later he says, and I think, I think that kind of lends itself to almost like a full impact with experience there. Right. Cause it's just like, mm -hmm. you know, earlier on there, it's like, okay, I recognize that I existed, that these objects in my hand fully exist. And there's like, he kind of switched from like autopilot mode to like suddenly just full realization where he's holding this object recognizes that he exists. The object is, exists. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, but, but the, I, you know what the strange thing is? Like, I, I don't know if you guys have like meditated at all, but when, whenever I, you know, it, successful to various degrees, but ever, whenever I do get into like a very mindful state, it is intrinsically, I don't want to say pleasurable, but it's, it's intrinsically on the positive side of neutral. And for him, it seems to be gravely negative. Like it's very like, it's almost like he is very um, neurotic to like a very high degree. You've never switched into like the negative. Like, I've, well, no, no, not, I know exactly what. Yeah, yeah. But, we're, but, we're, <laughs> we're we're not really discussing meditation here. We're discussing like real world scenes where suddenly everything becomes that much more real. Like, have you ever been just like sitting around like a mad family discussion, and then suddenly like it like that that switch flips. Yeah, and you're just like fully present that you know or fully just aware that you're like with other human beings right there who are like you know making up their mind and it's just like and it and it can be in a neutral I, i've had that experience in a neutral setting too actually where it's just I've, like yeah i'm almost i'm almost like horrified but i can't point to what i'm horrified by yeah i've had it as like especially good i've had it as like harrowing before so yeah. i i do know to some extent what he's talking about there. Giffen, have you ever had that where you just like, there's, you, you feel yourself switch out of autopilot mode. Yeah. I, I know you're talking about. Um, it's like the opportunity to start kind of like just observing things that before were kind of outside your perceptive like this realm. Right. And then, some, then that can come yeah. with those emotions that you were describing, either good or bad. And sometimes it can like take on like an absurd note. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like a situation can suddenly just become like ridiculous. Yeah. Or if, if like, I, but I've also switched into that when like things were like, I was like in a really good scene too, where it was just like, it was like, oh, it's even better now. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like even more present than I was. Yeah. So I don't know. I've, I don't know. Have you guys, <clears throat> have you guys ever, um, like I've experienced this not a lot, but a few times where <clears throat> I, <clears throat> so I've had like um, kind of like anxiety over specific things before. And I've noticed that <clears throat> as like that situation, which I'm anxious about dissipates, the anxiety can kind of linger in a, in a, in a way like over the following days or weeks, even where it's like, um, it's very non-directed and that is actually like one of the most disturbing parts about it. Mm. 
Yes, yeah, so I, I, like, I can recall an instance in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's miserable. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. Where you like, you almost like become aware that you have been anxious, and yet like you can't understand what it's about. That that seems. I don't think that that's like that's not defining nausea, but that seems to almost be an aspect of it. It's at least uh, nausea adjacent. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, let me read a few of the other quotes. This is later on. He says, I understood the nausea. I possessed it. To tell the truth, I did not formulate my discoveries to myself, but I think that it would be easy for me to put them in words now. The essential, the essential thing is contingency. I mean that one cannot define existence as necessity. To exist is simply to be there. Those who exist let themselves be encountered, but you can never deduce anything from them. I believe there are people who have understood this, only they try to overcome this contingency by inventing a necessary causal being. That that actually made me think of um, Bishop Barclay. Uh, was an was an idealist, like he believed that um, he, he there was like the, that phrase in Latin, "percipi s." So I I can't remember it, but it but it translates to. Um, to perceive is to like cause or something like that. Or, or I don't remember the exact translation, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> that was his entire, like, um, I think Sartre was actually referencing him there. His idea was that like God uh, was the thing that had to always be perceived. What are you laughing about? <laughs> <laughs> just, just Giffen's reaction to, uh... <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> It was quite funny, actually, because, like, Giffen was, like, listening, <laughs> like, attentively, just, like, he's, like, okay, so, like, here's, like, the essence of, like, nausea. <laughs> he's, like, it's contingency. Giffen's, like, unbelievable. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just, no, you're right. But just, just, just more word salad. Just, like, yes. the essence is yes. more word salad. It's, like, yes. oh, my God. Yeah, he, so, in his description, he just introduces us several new terms, which, like, with vague meaning. <laughs> <laughs> very fair. And, yeah. and it just made so much worth by the fact that he's like so determined. He's like, I've done it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, he's given me a new toss salad. <laughs> no, just just like just like the full arc of Gibbons' expressions there, where it was like like eager interest, and then just here's like and like it's contingency. Just <laughs> like, like like that could be interpreted like fifty more ways. Of it's course. like we're trying to nail down this definition. And it's like, yeah, what a poor revelation there. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, I. It, it, uh, I don't even know. Like, how, like, uh, that, like that didn't perfectly relate to like previous experiences of. Nazi. I know, like, I just, know. It, it just doesn't make like, any it, sense. Yeah, I, I, um, I almost wonder if like his inability to. I wonder if like that's a part of the nausea too. Is like his inability to define it. It's like you know how. Um, honestly, oh like, gosh. dude, st- stuff is worse when you like can't share it with other people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if oh, that's even like no, an aspect there's like, of this. there's dread to the like if you can't articulate, but you feel like deep, you know, yes, disgust yes. or emotion. But then, like that is almost betrayed by the fact that he seems to have reconciled with like the, his, like his understanding of it. He he <sighs> declares like I understand it finally. I mean, we don't understand it. Well, at least I certainly don't after yeah, reading yeah. um that, but. Like it's like I, it's like an you, extra you think layer it is in the hell. beginning certainly because like he kind of is like I think he says he writes starts writing to begin with to identify what he's feeling right he has no clue yeah. so that seems to characterize nausea as like that's like part of it um because he gives a name to it but like he obviously doesn't fully characterize it but then here he is like ah oh, finally and then it's still nothing 
And, it, I, and I think you're reading from like the section where he's talking about like the root, right? Where he's like observing yes, the root. Yes. The black claw from the earth. That yeah, heinous exactly. thing. <laughs> where it's like, it's absurd on its own, but, you know, in the context, because he was talking about context too. So mm-hmm. like in the context of like being attached to like this stump in the park, like it's like less so and it's like well yeah like i i just like <laughs> just like you know what i mean but it was like i yeah. i really wasn't so, sure what like the revelation in that section were here's so what I, I had I, trouble with that i kind of read into it what i thought was the point which is like there's no inherent meaning right to existence um so I, again this is another outside source i'm pulling in but i know sartre characterizes his philosophy as something like existence precedes essence right i think that's the phrasing yes. which you know suggests that there is ex- existence period right like mm-hmm. and then any essence or like meaning is kind of like has to be imparted um or like it's you know subjective like you can characterize it in a lot of ways i don't know exactly sartre's um phrasing beyond like that phrase which is, is still in english um but i i can kind of read that into there but it's it's very rough again like <laughs> just the phrase existence precedes essence would have been so clarifying but instead we get the word salad contingency finally we get it get for this this won't mean a lot to you but like because this was before your time but like adam remember remember when we read the absurd yes this the absurd was sort of like on one end of clarity of like philosophical clarity and this was on the other end of it for me where it was just like you had to do so much work to to excavate the kind of i don't want to say like take home message because that makes it sound didactic but you, you know what i mean like what the hell is he actually bits talking of about meaning. here we excavate yes. bits of meaning we try to fit them together <laughs> and like you can conceive of a framework that makes them not inconsistent but there's nothing there like gelling it together for me Holy okay God. here's here's what i'll say that maybe this is where we start to get to like concluding remarks yeah I am not sure that this book is worth reading if you don't plan to discuss it like we have. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually genuinely, okay, this is going to be a brazen statement by me. I think if you don't have people like with whom you could discuss this book, I would rather listen to our conversation about the book than read the book. I've never said that before about, a, about anything we've read, but like that, I think that might be true for this. Yeah, I don't I'm think it's the same boat. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a great book. Like I, no, no, like, I, I actually I think, don't. Because because as you just said, it's not like it's like okay, you can read like a philosophical paper and get a pretty cogent argument within twenty pages. But okay, but you don't get the narrative. All right, yeah, fair enough. Definitely. So maybe something like Dostoevsky, where it's like you get you you yeah. can pretty easily get the message, but you get a narrative out of it that's pretty good. Here, I didn't easily get the message, and the narrative wasn't very good. So <laughs> the like, narrative was unhinged. Yeah, it, it was. It was like there were points of it, like where it was easy reading, twenty pages, twenty minutes. Well, the conversation with like Annie and stuff like that. Or, oh, definitely. Or maybe like okay. his day, like you know, on Sunday, kind of walking. That was madness for but, me. But but then there were like other <laughs> other points. Where he's like examining like the tree root or like the like the root of a stump, where he goes on for pages, and I'm just like, honestly, if I were to take the time necessary to like just mull through this, it would be eight pages for two hours. 
Yeah. Because that's, that's honestly what I did at parts. Like I was like reading through, I'm like, I need to like make observations that I can like reference back reference. Right. As I get mm-hmm. to like more philosophical insights, they never came. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was left with impressions. <laughs> that's it. Um, so I, I, I really, I don't recommend this book. I don't um, either. Like I, someone actually asked me while it was in New York city, like, um, they're like it's like a friend they're like oh like you're reading Sartre like I've never read, like, read anything by Sartre they're like is it better or worse than Camus and I'm like uh far worse <laughs> like it's it's not on the same I, plane I, I almost feel like we should read maybe one of his I, I almost feel like we should read something else by him to be able to have because the problem is I, I'm worried that I might sort of have like an unfair opinion of Sartre based on this, but I need to know if it's like unfair yeah, or no. not. I, this is, this, is, considered, this is considered his best work. I have heard mixed... Best novel, I think. Best novel. <clears throat> okay. But not as... Because like he obviously was very I don't, I don't even and... want to know what his other novels were then. <laughs> yeah, this is considered his best, best novel. Yeah. So let's so. let's put down his novels. But um, I did reference the one paper, like humanism <laughs> is... Existentialism is a humanism, which I think is yeah. like a... A more clean like 17 pages and that's like a work of you know philosophy that's like yeah, a I, I, I would that be might be worth this. yes yeah. yes yeah, but i yes. cannot i can't stomach this <laughs> like i <laughs> no. i sacrificed a lot in my it is like it was a pretty hard like jordan last time we you referenced like being protective of your time I, this i had to forego my protection of my time <laughs> I, I wish like I wish I could understand like Ugh. maybe I'm just a dullard maybe 10 years from now I'll like look back on this and like kind of be ashamed that I couldn't grasp the meaning but currently it's like I can get like some shallow impressions and that's yeah that's basically it oh yeah I actually did want to make one last reference to the very end because I know we we basically described it as um the uh the autodidact is a pedophile at the end um, but actually, like at the very, like literally the last page on my book, um, he kind of like plays with the idea that writing a book might oh. be worth something. But then like, it ends almost immediately. Like it is like the second to last yes, paragraph where he yes. kind of like the thought occurred to him that writing a book, a novel, would like actually like help him live. But then like, it just ends. So I don't know if that was supposed to be like the potentially um, heroic arc that he could take. Or if this was just another like, because we're getting from his perspective, not Sartre's still. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I also that, he yeah. It's, it's it's especially odd because he, he just finished not writing a book, <laughs> like a history, but because like the thing is like remember like he had just heard like the that song. like the, that one song that he loves that and old the only thing that could song. like clear yeah. his mind and, and he like, thought of him. like you know the writer of that song the singer of that song. And he thought that, oh, well, to be thought of at all, you know, yes. could, could cleanse one of their, you know, of, of their sins, not entirely, but, yeah. you know. He seemed to fall for one of Nagel's, like, traps of the absurd there. Where, remember, like, you know, Nagel does that, like, you know, wonderful rhetorical point where he just says, like, okay, you know, people say, like, life has no meaning, life is absurd, but, like, what would make life meaning? And he gives all of those potential answers and then shows why those don't make any sense. It, like like Antoine here is saying like okay, what if I could alleviate some absurdity by having people like remember me by one of my works? Like, but no, that he he I don't know. It, I get the sense that like 
I don't know. I get the sense that he's going to arrive in Paris. Maybe he'll start to write that book. Maybe he won't. I doubt that he'll ever finish it. Like he just seems like one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's suffering too much to, I think, actually go through. But I, I, I guess I bring it up only because I'm not sure what that means either. But you, it's the end of the book. So you think it might have meaning. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. This was like. This book kind of just like left me a little depressed in like a not useful way. <laughs> yeah, no, I it definitely left me depressed to be honest. Like I, because like e- even given like Given's point about okay, it seemed like in the final page that there was like some hope left for the character, but is this a false hope given who we know the character is? <laughs> yeah, like because it's That's like how it feels oh, yeah, because it's like okay, I'm gonna write this book and it's like will he? Like we just like, explored you know him I mean? like, kind of like go through the motions of writing this book throughout 200 pages <laughs> i don't trust this man and even if he does write this book in these journalings he's shown like a, an inability to communicate kind of effectively with his readership like maybe like I, I, you know who knows maybe this actually is the book that he intended on writing because this is sartre's or sartre's only not only novel but it's his most well-known one. Like maybe this itself was actually sort of like his version of Antoine writing that book. I, I, but I, I thought about that, but yeah, uh, but a horrid, <laughs> but like, but in like a, a horrible shame. twist, this book has failed to communicate at least like, <laughs> do, I don't know. It's like, I almost kind of like backed up a meta level there where it was like, okay, this actually was kind of a failure of communication on a lot of fronts. I can't deny that that sounds like an appropriate level of analysis, but also like, <laughs> we don't have enough to like have any confidence with it. At least I don't No, No, um, of course not. I mean, I would never stake anything yeah. on like, <laughs> I all I know is that like I've gained more appreciation for Dostoevsky after reading this book. Like that is something that is positively contributed to like my life. I know, I know, oh, and yeah. I and I think I think Jordan's point is a good one actually though because I think from reading Sartre's like Wikipedia page just a little bit, so I could be fact checked on this, but I think he was sort of a man of inaction, mm. um, you know, until after World War II, because mm. I think he you know, wasn't politically involved and was happy to not be politically involved and to just live his life. Um, but then he had some sort of revelation later in life where he realized he had to act. So maybe this is sort of, you know, what he's saying at the end there, where it's like, okay, he in a way is Antoine in the sense that okay, he needs to put his ideas out there. He needs to write this book. Yeah. You know, I mean, once again, I that seems know. plausible, but yeah. also like it's yeah, just like it's one true. of many webbings we can kind of construct that isn't inconsistent. But like, I mean, the, I don't know enough about Sartre to say if like he's supposed to be Antoine here or if this is like this might be like I'm not sure his villain in his mind, you know, <laughs> like um, it's just unclear to me. Uh, although I think maybe if we read like his philosophy properly, we can that can help construct meaning here. <laughs> Yeah, I made this point with Dostoevsky, though, where I don't think you'd be capable of writing something like this if you didn't at least battle that demon. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, You definitely get that impression from Dostoevsky. Like, he just embodies the person that he doesn't want you to be so well that, like, he had to have had some firsthand experience. Yeah, like, there's a little too... It's a little too specific for it to be holy, you know? The the difference for me, it was, like, I just didn't relate to Antoine as much. Not nearly. Um, It was much harder. And I don't know if that's just, like, 
the ill-defined nausea or like, you know, I haven't really suffered from like depression or like the depression adjacent that self-loathing that he feels. Um, it's not even that. Like, I don't know. Whatever it is, is just poor, like poorly characterized. And like, I just cannot map onto it. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's much more to say about it, yeah. to be honest. Um, I, I, I think this episode, when we piece it together, is going to be a hell of a long, but yeah. I think it's better as a, I think it's better as like a, as like a marathon episode anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, with that, I can't, I can't say I enjoyed the read. I can, I, <laughs> I, I can say that having read it, I'm glad I discussed it though. Yes. Is, it would yes. it would be like a horror to have read this but not discussed it. No, I would either no, be I'm furious sure yeah. <laughs> yeah, or like fallen into a hole. <laughs> like and honestly, like no, I honestly. any catharsis derived from reading this was strictly from being able to vent about it. Yeah, honestly. Like if I did not yeah. have someone to communicate with this, like it would it would not be good. No, it'd be bad. It would not be good. It, it would like it would like have a deleterious effect yeah. on my mental health. I and know, again, I know. Reading... That, that was my perspective too. Yeah. Like after yes. finishing this, I'm like, I kind of want to get it out. Depressing. Yeah, that was a depressing. Yeah. Read. Oh my god. Yes. And you so... know, Dostoevsky didn't present like a very positive picture, but at least there was enjoyment to be had while yeah. doing it. And at yeah. the end, like it was a mixed kind of like perspective. But this is just like low. This is just suffering. No, this was horrible. Like I, I remember I I I um I finished reading it like early this afternoon and I, I finished it <clears throat> and with horror realized that I had like four hours until the podcast started. So I was like, oh, I just had like I just went on a run. Like I just had to kind of like shake it off almost. Was- I, I finished like a half hour before we started, whenever I texted the group. I was <laughs> what I was in panic. <laughs> and and also like at the end of like like uh, the underground man or notes from underground, I mean. Yeah. Um it's like there was like this juxtaposition between Liza, who was like honestly honorable in her own right, mm-hmm. and the underground man, versus yeah. like this book where like there were like no honorable characters. There's like, no hero. And, like, yeah, there's, there's... <laughs> the only chance was the self-taught man. <laughs> yeah, 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 the least honorable. I mean, yeah. like honestly though, who does that leave after that? Like one, the, the woman who plays the song for him, like the core, the Corsican. Like, uh, <laughs> of again, is the hero of the novel. Honestly, he, he 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 appears on like two and a half pages, and he's the hero of the novel. Yeah, no. And even it, he's like depicted as absurd, as like you know, always like scolding the children, and like and like this. I mean, like, and yes. he, but even scenes like that aren't necessarily like even funny. <laughs> They're just more mm-hmm. so like I don't know. They just no. I I did not laugh once reading this book. Yeah, it's like I laughed it, many times at notes from underground. Notes yeah, from underground was funny. hilarious, yeah. but insightful. This was miserable. No, this was, was like absurd. Like it was like okay, even like the flashing scene, like like describing the young ten year old girl as like like rat faced and wicked. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just like that's not funny. Like I, I no, don't know. What was, no, like, like, no. I, this is awful. <laughs> That's horrible. Like the descriptions of the man, like like in the fog. I mean, it's like disturbing. It's like it was I mean, very disturbing. It's like yeah. almost thing out of like a nightmare. So yeah, yeah. I, I really hope because I know Sartre is one of the most famous individuals of all time. Right, like this is like the number yeah, one. Sure. I mean, not even beyond existentialism because he was very political too. Mm. Like he is just like one of the most famous <clears throat> French figures of all time. He won the Nobel Prize in literature. <laughs> 
I hope and not I am, for this. I am desperate Nine, to understand. In 1964, I think. <laughs> Please tell me it wasn't for nausea. Um, oh, dear God. Dollars I, over there in the Nobel I, Institute. Well, when was nausea written? I mean... In the 30s, 38? I believe our original copy was from... <clears throat> Uh, yes, 1938. 1938. Right. 1938. Then yeah, yeah, it was definitely for nausea and other books. In some it, it, sense, yeah. Because it's it not didn't for invalidate like, the prize. <laughs> because it's it's not like for like a specific book, the Nobel Prize. It's for like contribution. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I just desperately want to understand why he. I mean, if, if this is my first impression, I'd put the book down like this is probably a half disturbed individual at least. And then I no, would never touch him again. Honestly, dude, I, I think this would be one of those books where I would not have actually finished it. Like if, oh, if we were, 100%. I, I probably would have put it down a page like, I don't know, 50. I would have been like, this is just weird. Yeah. I mean, earlier. I, <laughs> yeah, I would have put yeah. it down after like the, the not even complete <clears throat> first part. <clears throat> I made it 40 pages out of 250. <laughs> <laughs> like i got the gist like come on I, I mean i can just consume a couple tiktoks and get the gist <laughs> all right well yeah. we've opined about it enough at this point <laughs> um uh i don't know what we'll do next but but we'll we'll definitely continue um the series on existentialism so tune in next time for hopefully a, a better read <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Plato's Cave. Um, I always enjoy discussing topics with uh, with these two guys. So if you want to um, support the show in any way, you can do so simply by sharing it. Uh, I'm hoping to get this show out to more people. Uh, and so if you want to share it on Twitter or social media, that would really help me. Uh, you can also rate it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, like this video if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe uh, via Apple Podcasts or an RSS feed. Uh, you can also discuss it on your own show and link back uh, to my website, or you can connect me uh, with recommended guests or topics to cover. Uh, you can get in contact with me at Plato's Cave Podcast at gmail.com, follow me on Twitter at Jordan underscore C underscore Myers, and I now have a website for my philosophy endeavors at jordanmyers.org. If you want to know a little bit more about me and my fellow co-hosts, um, as I said in the introduction, I'm a master's student in philosophy at the University of Houston. I did my undergrad at the University of Pittsburgh, where I studied mechanical engineering and philosophy. And now that I'm back at school, I'm hoping to more closely study uh, moral responsibility, free will, ethics, epistemology, and moral psychology. Those are topics that I was uh, introduced to and got really interested in in my undergrad work. So uh, Adam and Giffen accompanied me on this show, and Adam is uh, one of my oldest friends. We actually met in kindergarten, um, and we've been interested in philosophical topics for as long as we can remember, and in a lot of ways, it's been the basis of our friendship. Uh, Adam studied chemistry and biology at Cornell, and he is currently working at a law firm. Um, and he's especially interested in moral responsibility as well, but also law, religion, and free will. Uh, Giffen is also one of my oldest friends, and uh, we've been friends since elementary school as well. Um, Giffen studied biology and economics at RPI, and now he works in human health research. Uh, he believes that there's very interesting overlap between both of his fields of study and philosophy, and he's particularly interested in exploring political philosophy. So this series was right up his alley. Um, and 
with, uh, with all of that information, again, I hope that you enjoyed uh, this episode, and I hope that you get in contact with me or, or follow my work in any way that you uh, deem reasonable to do. So with that, thank you for listening.